Welcome to the Voices of Aging podcast, where you learn more about aging through experts. We are the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group, or ASIC, a student-led collaborative organization for the study of aging at the University of Minnesota. Every episode, we feature guests working in different aging-related areas, and they share their experiences and wisdom. We release two episodes every month, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in to learn more about aging every time you hit play. Welcome back to Voices of Aging. This is Madeline, your host. This is part two of our LGBTQ plus aging episode. Part one was released two weeks ago. Make sure to listen to that one first and then come on back to this one. We will start right where we left off in episode one. I know, Harry, you you brought this up already in terms of let's do lunch, but again, we're talking about this isolation and loneliness as a major problem with older adults in general, but particularly for the LGBTQ plus community. Can you talk a little bit more about Let's Do Lunch and any other initiatives that currently exist to combat the loneliness? Well, I can talk about Let's Do Lunch. Phil is a critical part of Let's Do Lunch now. It started 10 years ago. When Friends and Co., formerly Little Brothers Friends of the Elderly, and Prime Timers, Minneapolis and St. Paul, which is a group for gay and bisexual men and is intergenerational, they came together and they presented a documentary called Gen Silent. It was held on a freezing night in February. It was icy and nasty, but we had 125 people show up for that presentation. And from there came the idea for the lunch. We had funds left over. We P Fund was very gracious to fund the work we were doing. And we had funds left over and we decided to start the lunch. And for some reason, getting the word out, having people know that you're even there is difficult. So 10 years now, and the lunch, I think the last lunch we had, the room was packed. We're almost outgrowing the space that we're in, which is good. It is wonderful. It's a free lunch, but it's a way to bring the elder community and intergenerationally together. The university, I don't know if you were part of the group that came to one of the lunches. The medical students came to the lunches. Those folks thought you were all gold. They were, right, Phil? They were absolutely thrilled to have the younger folks come and spend time with them you know something about those lunches i mean it's 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 not complicated i mean sometimes it's it's sandwiches and and, a, and salads and a brownie you know whatever i mean it's not it's not a banquet it's very simple and yet you know one of the, the women who attends i know she uh lives in a facility in the suburbs and says you know they they have lunch at my place but these are my people um, this is why I want to be here. We had one guy who used to drive down from the Malox area, you know, twice a month in the winter for lunch. And again, not a banquet, but it's it's testimony to how 
important even this relatively straightforward program is. And, and one of the things, you know, with, there's a meal, most of the time there is also some type of a program. There's somebody who's speaking about, you know, current uh, recent changes to Medicare or, or um, something like that. Uh, one of our more recent ones, we had two members of the queer caucus of the, the Minnesota legislature come and talk about what it what their experiences have been. We had a lesbian judge from Ramsey County come and I mean, those people just ate them up. I mean, they questions just never, never stopped. We've expanded the luncheons. Uh, we're now offering a, a monthly, just a drop-in coffee. Um, and so it's some of the same people, but it brings in some others as well. We are experimenting with that and hosting it in October at a place called Pillars of Prospect Park, which is on University in Malcolm, I think. I think that's the cross street. And we're also hosting, beginning to host in partnership with the university, a quarterly workshop talking about sexuality over 60. And what does that look like? And what does that mean? How do we how do we relate to sexuality as older adults, things of that sort? And and Carrie mentioned the intergenerational aspect of the lunch. We're partnering with Outfront Minnesota and St. Mark's Cathedral off of Loring Park in downtown Minneapolis. And we've been having what are called Sage uh, Sage Table Dinners. Sage is a national organization for uh, advocacy for LGBTQ older adults. And they've uh, they have this this sort of event in a box kind of a concept where it's it's an intergenerational dinner where there's some facilitated conversations and so on. We've been and we've had a couple of those this year and they've been very well attended. We, we've got one coming up on the 21st of September where we had a we had set a certain number of tickets or what have you. It's registrations. It's free. It's, there's no cost. And we had we had to remove the cap and expand it a little bit because there was demand. And so I mean, there's people are hungry for these opportunities. And so it's really a question of bandwidth, it's a question of resources, but I, I have the sense we could just keep expanding it and expanding it and people would keep coming. And and we're the only ones around in the metro area and in the seven county area, right? There's not a lot happening for the community beyond us. And there, there is an organization in town, has been for a number of years, called Prime Timers, and they do a lot of social events. And they go to the museum and they go to movies and that sort of thing, which is which is great. But it's an organization that's by foreign about men. And, you know, fine, okay. But the lunches and these other events, we're really proud that they are open to everybody. Right. And, you know, there, there's no there's no one checking IDs at the door. And and you know, we talked, I, I think Ann talked about it, going to Pride. We don't feel welcomed. It's a hard place for someone who's a senior to get through, get to, um, to be able to be feel safe there. It's real, and I've had the discussion with Twin City Pride. Trust me, anybody who will listen, I will raise the issue. Phil's going to cringe at this, I know, but it's okay, Phil. We need a community center here. We are one of the big cities that does not have a place. We don't. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> Indulge me. <laughs> but well, I agree in a lot of ways, I agree with what you're saying. The the challenge in the conversations on community centers in this in this town is the, the conversations follow a very familiar path. Someone gets this idea, they talk to everybody, they develop a list of everything that people want in the center, and it's a zillion miles long, and it's it's a multi-million dollar project, and that's where the conversation stops, because nobody can really wrap their heads around raising several million dollars. Right. Uh, I think there is a way to start that conversation 
and to actually get someplace. And I think it's something that Harry and I would agree on, and that is some some form of a senior center would would be a place to begin. And I think that is something that is viable, and we'd love to see that happen. It's a it's still a large undertaking, but it is I think it's doable, and it can grow from there. Absolutely, absolutely. On the topic of building community and talking about the groups that exist currently, I know Anne, you talked about the group that you helped to coordinate that's creating community for trans and non-binary older adults, and I just wanted to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit more about that as well. Sure. The T&B Elders Group grew out of a st- the study that was done in 2015, and it was created to kind of address the need that we're all talking about here of finding community and having people to talk about and being able to, to join in a group setting where you don't feel that you're going to be judged or you're going to have somebody be critical of you because of your gender identity make people afraid to speak up because of that. You know, I'm very careful about where I go. If it's a like a community meeting, I probably won't go. And if I do go, I'm not going to say anything. But with this group, I feel safe uh, and welcomed, and I feel a part of it. Uh, the other group is the gender uh, senior gender outsiders. And both groups have got people from uh, different parts of the country, uh, that participate on a regular basis. Of course, the Let's Do Lunch and SAGE that have both been talked about. There's also a Northland LGBT elders group in the Duluth and Arrowhead region that's actually somewhat active as well. We're we're finding ways to create our own community because we can't rely on someone else to do it for us. But finding finance to Increase numbers is a challenge. There are grants and, you know, challenges of finding fiscal agents and all sorts of things that uh, a lot of hoops to jump through. So we're pretty much self-funded on most of these things. And that can minimize our ability to market, to get the word out, to have meaningful programs that might have a cost associated with them. So so a lot of challenges that go along with trying to do what we're trying to do. And trying to build bridges is, is difficult, right? I'm yes. out here in Dakota County. We've started a discussion with DARTS, which is the senior service provider out here, to address LGBTQ issues. Believe me, I'm in their face. You knew that, right? You knew I'd be there. <laughs> well, in a circle back around to... Uh, some of the challenges, one of the challenges, again, for the trans and gender non-binary community is this growing uh, hatred on a national level of trans and non-binary people. Uh, Carver County just had a big meeting the other night on whether or not to ban a book that is an autobiographical book on someone's gender transition, and they wanted it pulled from the library. And fortunately, enough voices prevailed and the board voted unanimously to keep the book in place in the library. But this book, Gender Queer, is the number one banned book in the country right now. And so 
we have this long time history of oppression and of fear and being concerned about who you are in what situation. And it changes who you are as a person if you're constantly alert and aware and afraid for your well-being. Well, and in some ways, what you're describing is exactly that minority stress theory approach. Exactly. Exactly. We hear it mostly in the in the racial and ethnic context, and so I'm not trying to detract from that. But there is a version of it that plays out um, in this community as well. You know, one of the things I've I've done a number of different you know presentations, whatever, on on LGBTQ aging, and oftentimes I will start the slides with a picture of Stonewall in 1969, and you know what do you see? Well, it's a bunch of these ragtag hippie kids with their long hair and their bell bottoms and they look all grungy blah, 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 blah. and i say you know look at these kids today these smart ass kids blah, blah. and and then i make the point every one of these little dirty ruffians uh in the street who's still with us is now on medicare and social security and in some ways that generation has continues to be the the leading edge the pioneers and so you know when when we you know harry is is a fantastic you know uh squeaky wheel and he has to be um because there aren't as many people at that cutting edge you know i would add to that phil that if they're still alive absolutely i mean among gay men obviously you know a substantial number of people were wiped out in the 80s and the 90s exactly exactly and again goes back to circles around to not wanting to access healthcare because of fear of how they'll be treated. Right. And the healthcare wasn't very good back then. No. It was awful. As we start to wrap up our conversation here, I want to ask you about what our listeners can do to either provide support if they have the means to do so, or whether they're an older adult themselves looking for support, looking for community. We've touched on a lot of the resources that exist, but what would you tell someone to do as a next step? I would say if you're interested in learning about it, do so. Learn as much as you can about LGBTQ plus issues and learn about the differences for trans issues as well. Don't be afraid to ask respectful questions. To my comment earlier, pay attention to the information on a patient's chart. There's two studies available, the Minnesota 2022 LGBTQ Aging Needs Assessment Report and the Minnesota Transgender Aging Project that was done in 2015. And both of those reports are available on the Rainbow Health website. I I suppose that the feedback I would give is directed really to LGBTQ middle age and younger folks who might be listening. And that is (laughs) to to remember that if you're lucky, you're going to be an LGBTQ older adult someday. And that, you know, kind of to to Harry's point earlier that he made is in a humorous way, you know, think about the ageist language that we use. Think about the ageist assumptions that we make. Old is not 30, really. (laughs) There are people who can tell you this from life experience. And to recognize that our community isn't just the young people and the young adults and the middle age, but it is people in their 70s, their 80s, their 90s. And to recognize that we have a responsibility 
act as a community to making sure that they're safe, to making sure that they have the ability to age in the best ways possible for them. Because at some point, you're going to be in that situation too, and you're probably going to want some support. So let's make sure that we're doing this today. And I, and I think that people, right, and they mean well, if they want to support the community, we have Rainbow Health, we have Friends & Co., we have other groups that are trying to address the aging issues. If you're in a position to make a donation, pick one of those and dig in your pocket and give because our lunches aren't free. Although we fr we serve them free, they cost money. And our space, right? It all costs money. So give freely. And that speaks volume of your support. But the other thing, come out, right? Pride is not just a weekend. Pride is not just a month. Pride should be every single day. There are elders in your neighborhood and you don't know who these elders are, right? If they're LGBTQ or not, but talk to them. You'd be amazed what you'll find out. And being willing to, to be open about it. We have a lot of work to do, but we've made a lot of progress. There are also some national organizations uh, for people that want to see what's going on on a more broader scale than just the, the, the metro area here. Transgender Center for Transgender Equality, or the National Center for Transgender Equality, is one, and they have co-sponsored U.S. Transgender Survey that is, we're waiting for the third one now to be printed and released results in their huge surveys of transgender and non-binary people around the country as to uh, discrimination and other experiences that they've had. And it's it's an eye-opening read. So if you just do a search for U.S. transgender survey, uh, it'll pop up for the National Center for Transgender Equality. And the first two surveys are available there. And the third one, I don't know when it's coming out, but hopefully will come out soon. You know, on that score, you know, I mentioned in passing earlier, SAGE, this national organization for LGBTQ older adults, they've had an affiliate network around the country for years, and they're they're doing some changes to the structure of that. But but Rainbow Health is the first uh, SAGE affiliate in, in Minnesota. And, you know, we've needed one for years, and finally we were able to kind of connect all the dots and do it all. And so I think that's the beginning of a, of a really good partnership, but there's there's certainly still more to come. And you said something very important, and I want to circle back to it. If we don't support our senior community, those who are struggling, and many are, we're going to see an increase of the suicide rate because our elders do not want the treatment that's there today. And it's lack of respect. So I've heard it, right? I've told my children no nursing home, just let me die, right? Just let me die. You know, we, we're just coming out of COVID and COVID was brutal on our community. And we've forgotten that already. We have very short memories. We've forgotten what that was like. Fortunately for us, for the Let's Do Lunch group, 
they pivoted and were creative and had delivered lunches to the seniors in their homes. So they had some connection. Right. We, we did that. The, the, the meals were delivered and then the, the target was, you know, by noon or something like this. And then there was a Zoom call at noon. So people were able to kind of log in and they would be eating their lunches and we'd be talking, you know. Right. So, I mean, that was, I'm glad we don't have to do that anymore. But um, <laughs> it was certainly an interesting experience. You know, one of the things that, that hasn't really come up in this conversation that I just want to flag is, you know, Rainbow Health was created in part through the merger of the Minnesota AIDS Project with other organizations. And, you know, it's it's important to recognize that even though HIV is no longer the, the crisis it was in the 80s and 90s, uh, it's still there. And because of the advances in medication, the pool of people who have HIV are not dying in the numbers that we saw several decades ago. In fact, they're aging and they're living their basically their normal lifespan with HIV. Right now, our numbers at Rainbow Health mirror what goes on nationally. About half of our HIV-positive clients are, are 50 plus. The projection nationally and locally is that by the end of the decade, by 2030, that proportion will be around 70%. So 70% of HIV positive folks will be 50 or older. And so it's a it's a pool of of people aging with this this health issue. And many of our providers have never even thought about it, have no clue what to even do. I, I we worked with a person who was seeking housing in a particular facility and disclosed their HIV positive status, which for them meant you know they take a pill. And the the facility staff, they were taken aback. They had no idea. And they started to say, well, do we need to get special silverware and plates for you? Do we have to do your laundry separately for you? And and I'm like, you know, those were questions asked and answered, you know, 30 plus years ago. And, and it just never occurred to them that it would come up in their context. And so that is still something that we do need to spend some time paying attention to as we move forward. One of the things to think about is that an elder, a senior, any senior, but LGBTQ seniors, it can change on a dime. Their health status overnight can change. They can slip and fall. There's all kinds of things that they're faced with. It's not a pretty time, right? Because it doesn't feel like there's much there. That's you, slip and fall. Well, um, Anne, Phil, and Harry, I want to thank you all again so much for being here. I've learned a lot, and I know that our listeners are going to learn a lot uh, from these episodes. I just wanted to give one final opportunity if you had any sort of last message you wanted to, to give. This would be a great time for that. Be kind, because you may be in a position of getting old. I would agree and be respectful. I guess my final thought is that despite the challenges that we see, um, including some of the political challenges that Anne's referred to, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. I think we're moving in the right direction. And I think that's a wonderful note to end on. So thank you all again. Thank, thank you. you. This podcast is brought to you by ASIC, the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group at the University of Minnesota. 
follow Voices of Aging and ASIC on social media for more information about the episodes and guests on the podcast and to learn more about us as a student group. See you next time.